Hey y'all, hour two here on the Wednesday, June 15th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Most Podcast here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Uh, wrapping up here um, with some Pitt Panther football. Yeah, we got a lot of Pitt Panther football to talk about uh, with Jim Hammett uh, of Panther Lair to talk all things Keaton Slovis, Jordan Addison. Uh, we talk about Mark Whipple's departure to Nebraska, um, the renewal of the Backyard Brawl this fall, uh, Tennessee, um, Pittsburgh to kick things off, uh, the chance of the Panthers getting back to the ACC title game, and uh, all that and more. Just Pat Narduzzi's run there and how he's been there, a sneaky long period of time now. And then why Pitt? and Penn State don't play anymore. That should happen. Uh, so it was a lot of fun talking to Jim about all things uh, pit football. So hope you guys enjoy Hour 2 here on the Wednesday edition. Don't forget, you can check out Hour 1 with uh, Fangraph's John Taylor. Uh, it's on this very feed, so if you missed it, you can go back after you listen to uh, Hour 2 here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast. If you're subscribed on your preferred podcast player, guess what? All of our episodes right there uh, in one place to make your uh, listening as easy as possible. So go do that. I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you for making, uh, the chase the most podcast part of your Wednesday. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. And, uh, don't forget folks, you can email this very program at chase the most podcast at gmail.com. Tweet at me at chase double underscore Thomas, like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Read me sports renaissance man dot substack dot com. Uh, Sports Renaissance Man. That's me. Sports Renaissance Man. Substack.com. Type in your email. That easy. That simple. Check us out on YouTube. All of our episodes and all that kind of stuff over on YouTube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast as well. So, all kinds of ways to interact with the show, be involved with the show as we wrap up here on a Wednesday. Uh, a lot more coming on the content front this week. But uh, yeah, look out for that. And uh, let's go ahead and get into hour two of the. Uh, Wednesday, June 15th edition here on uh, the Chase Most Podcast on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, taping this late on Tuesday with someone who is quite familiar with a football program that I unfortunately have to do battle with this fall once again after uh, what happened in Neyland last year. It's Jim Hammett. Jim, good afternoon, evening. How are you, sir? Doing well, Chase. Um, I guess we're kind of getting closer to football season uh, each passing week here. We are. Uh, Tennessee's baseball season came to a close on Sunday, so it's full steam ahead on uh, football season here. Uh, that's where all of our eyes have turned a little bit. Um, it is it, the Pitt Panthers, I just think, are so interesting going into this year because the ACC title game featured two teams that uh, before the year nobody had in the ACC championship. Nobody had Wake Forest running the gauntlet. Nobody had Pitt running the gauntlet. And Hey, that's what happened. Are you still just kind of amazed at uh, what Pitt was able to accomplish with Kenny Pickett and company last year? I don't know so much amazed. Um, I think a little surprised, obviously. Uh, I, I I think a lot of people kind of close to the Pitt program knew they had an experienced team, an experienced mm-hmm. quarterback. And uh, so there, there were some kind of expectations within the program and people that follow the program. I don't know if 11 wins was what everyone was thinking, but definitely uh, – it, it was a little bit of a surprise, but at the same time, uh, it was kind of like almost an expected breakout year at the same time. Hmm. 
Well, the offseason has unfortunately been kind of defined a little bit by the Jordan Addison situation. So now that he is officially out the door and he is at USC, where where are you at with him? Where are you at with just where Pitt's wide receiver room will be without him going into next year? Yeah, that's obviously a big loss. Jordan Addison had 100 catches, uh, Blitnikoff Award winner, first team All-American. I mean, he was he was an outstanding player last year. And, you know, the expectation this year was that he could be, you know, an outside Heisman candidate. He was that kind of player. So it definitely hurts the room. But uh, the thing with Pitt is, you know, they lost a big player to uh, the, the transfer portal, but they've also added a few uh, big ones as well. Uh, Ke- Keontae Mumfield from Akron was a freshman All-American. He's expected to come in and play right away. Actually, a former Tennessee volunteer, Bob Means, hmm. uh, he was at Louisiana Tech, uh, started at Tennessee, Louisiana Tech, now he's at Pitt. He's also expected to come in. And they also have Jared Wayne back, who had 47 catches. So I think the expectation is, yeah, Addison's gone, but they they still have a few playmakers up their sleeve as well. What do you think happened? With Addison, do you think it was a tampering situation? Do you think he wanted to stay and he didn't want to enter the portal? Like uh, from the outside looking in, like what do you what do you think actually happened there? I, I think there was definitely some uh, you know nil influence to his decision. I think uh, losing Kenny Pickett and uh, his wide receiver coach Brendan Marion and Mark Whipple, the offense coordinator. I mean, I think that's what you know was kind of said on the outside, but I do think a lot of it was. Uh, kind of a money situation and that's kind of what we're in in college football these days so uh you know it was kind of quiet during spring ball I mean they they really didn't use them a lot in spring ball for obvious reasons you wanted to keep them healthy so you didn't hear a whole lot about them but you know he's kind of a quiet guy in general he kind of Hmm. keeps to himself so that wasn't unexpected so it was you know I think two or three days before uh the the or the the portal deadline or whatever you know, it started to bubble up and obviously that caused such a stir across college football, but that's exactly, you know, what happened. I think there was some NIL influence. I think he knew Caleb Williams. They're both from the Washington DC area. Hmm. So there's definitely some things going on there, but you know, at at the end of the day, I don't really begrudge him, but it sounds like he he has a lucrative deal. He'll make some money this year playing college football. And, you know, I think that's what the NCAA kind of set up and for better or worse. Where is Pitt with their NIL? Um, I know different programs are getting into different stuff, and I've talked to a lot of different beat writers, a lot of different people across the country and where they're at with that. And Iowa, it's going to be a process. Like, it's going to be pretty slow. Um, and then you go to Tennessee. We're full full speed ahead uh, in a lot of ways. But where is Pitt at? Because you mentioned NIL being a factor, and uh, we don't, uh, like you said, he has a prior relationship with Caleb and obviously a great system, and he'll probably do great at USC, but he also did great uh, this past year at Pitt. Um, where is Pitt in terms of NIL? What is their collective situation like? Are they hit, have they hit the ground running? Where are they at in that front? Yeah, I think that's still kind of getting off the ground. I mean, last year there was kind of, it came out right before the season, they had a donor that donated $20 million to the program, not to hmm. NIL, but they do have, you know, guys like that with money like up their sleeves. And they're obviously last year, Kenny Pickett, he did pretty well, but that was like in the beginning stages of it. You know, he, you know, he drove a nice car around, he ate dinner and he, you know, he had a couple smaller deals. It's, you know, it, it went from zero to 60, I think from that first season to this off season. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens this year. I mean, they don't have that 
you know, they have some really good players. I don't know if they have high profile guys that would command a ton of money on the team this year. So it's, it's just going to be a year by year. And I think this whole thing is still evolving and nobody really knows where it's going to end. How nervous are you about Mark Whipple moving on to Nebraska going into this year? Uh, I, I don't think that's really a big issue. Uh, hmm. it, it actually kind of came up. Uh, he wasn't coming back next year. That That's just kind of the story. I don't think uh, Whipple and Narduzzi really saw eye to eye on a lot of huh. things. There was a, you know, it took a couple years. He was at Pitt for three seasons. The first two years were kind of shaky. Obviously, everything clicked last year. So they, I, I, I think it was kind of going to be a mutual parting of ways either way. Um, I think the timing of it was a little off, but I think they're pretty comfortable uh, hiring Frank Signetti Jr. He's actually from the area. He did pretty good work uh, with Boston College, Phil Dracovic. Um He's been around the NFL and college football for a long time, he even worked at Pitt before. So I think it was kind of a seamless transition in, in that regard. What was the issue? Was it just offensive philosophy? Was it like he wanted to run tempo, 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 and Nartuzzi didn't want to play that way? Like what was the... Uh, issue over three years do you think between them I, I think probably some tempo issues and stuff when you have a defensive coach and you yeah. have a, a a coach that all generally you know wants you to run the ball a little mm-hmm. bit and, and Pitt was you know one of the highest passing teams last year yep. obviously you trade off because you were so successful but I, I think there was just some seeing eye to eye type things and stuff like that do you think Signetti is there for the long haul? Do you like the, it sounds like with his connection there and Pat being there for as long as he has, it sounds like this might be more of a stable, more long-term coaching, coaching group now, right? Yeah, I, I kind of think so too. And it, you know, I think this is his fourth or fifth offensive coordinator already. They seemed, you know, it went from Jim Chaney to Matt Canada to Sean Watson to Mark Whipple. Now this Frank Signetti. So it's kind of been a, a lot of talent. Yeah, there's been some good coaches. Uh, you know, I think when Matt Canada was here, they had a really good offense. Obviously, they had a really good offense last year. Well, he's still there. <laughs> he just moved up one it, one rank. Yeah, he's just across the building. But uh, yeah, uh, pretty much it, it, it's I think Signetti will be around for a while. He is local. He, he has a lot of ties to the area. And I think he was kind of, you know, when that opportunity came, you know, at his introductory press conference, he, he said he was eager to be back home. Interesting. Um, have you like, but to this point, has Pat Narduzzi met your expectations when he was first hired? Has he come in a little bit too low? Do you think there's uh, this past season is like him breaking out and getting over the hump and that uh, smooth sailing going forward? What, uh, where, like, where are you at with Pat and uh, all that? You know, I, I think like one of the points you mentioned, it was kind of getting over the hump. Because mm-hmm. I, I think he did a lot of things right during his time year or at Pitt. Um, I think, you know, that the recruiting got better. I think they were sending more guys to the NFL. Uh, you know, you know, past alumni were kind of supporting the program. It was just like they were missing that one big season. And it finally happened. And, you know, with all the success with Kenny Pickett as well, it, it really turned the program around. And, I mean, the fan base is as high as it's been in a long time, probably at least in a decade. So I, I think he really – he needed that big breakout season and he got it. And I think that momentum's kind of carrying over in the next year as well. So you think he's okay for the long haul? Do they not, do they, are they comfortable with him being uh, the pit head coach for the foreseeable future? Cause he's going to stumble into like being one of the longest tenured head coaches in uh, the power of five pretty soon. It feels like. 
Yeah, it's kind of funny with uh, the ACC Coastal. That's always kind of been a division of chaos. And I think he is the the longest longest standing coach there. But I, I think he is in for the long haul. He did sign an extension this offseason after the big year. So I, uh, he's from Youngstown, Ohio, which is just over the border. So, I mean, he he's local. I, I don't really think he has his eyes set on any other job. I think he had opportunities to go back to Michigan State, and he didn't. So I, I think he's pretty comfortable in Pittsburgh. Interesting. Um, well, Pickett's out the door, but you get another talented kid in the building in Keaton Slovis. Um, how has he looked so, thus far this spring, this summer? Um, should the expectations be the same as what it was for Pickett this past year and just with his pedigree? Because he is new to the program, but he's not new to success in college football. And he was one when healthy, one of the best quarterbacks in college football uh, less than two years ago. What are your expectations for Keaton and what have you seen thus far to point you in a positive or maybe a more questionable direction about him? I, I do want to point out, I think Keaton Slovis will be the starter, but there actually hasn't been a starter named yet. Uh, mm. Kenny, Kenny Pickett's longtime backup, Nick Patty, he's been with the program since 2018. He's still kind of in the running and hmm. uh, he was actually, he started the bull game last year and got yeah. very early on, but he's still around and, he has the respect of the teammates. So like, he's kind of a, you know, there are two guys vying for the job, but I, I do think Slovis will ultimately win it. But I, I think everyone's pretty, uh, pretty on board with him. I mean, cause there it's an experienced team, even with losing Addison and Pickett, uh, all five uh, offensive linemen are back. Uh, one of the tight ends last year, Gavin Bartholomew's back. I mentioned a few of the receivers are back. All three running backs are back. I mean, so it's kind of he's walking into a good situation. Either quarterback would be. But, I mean, Slovis really did display a lot of arm talent his freshman year at USC. I think he was a freshman All-American, freshman of the year in the Pac-12s. Uh, you know, I ran into some injuries a little bit last year, coaching change at USC, and you know, he ended up at Pitt, but I, I think the fit there is, you know, good. He's kind of a pro-style quarterback. Frank Signetti has experience working with that. So I think the expectation is that Slovis can have a lot of success with Pitt this year. Are your expectations the same as what they were last year? Do you think this is a team with what they brought back and their transfers and Slovis? Do you think this is a program that should uh, be back in the ACC title game next year? Or do you think they'd take a slight step back? I, I think, uh, you know, right now, I mean, you look at the preseason rankings and the magazines and Pitt's kind of like hanging around in the top 20, maybe top 25. And I think that's about right for this team. There are definitely some question marks uh, losing, you know, losing one of the best quarterbacks in program history. will obviously create those. But like I said, there's a lot of starters back on offense. I think there's eight starters back on defense. So there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, hope around the pit program that this can keep rolling and you know they'll be in the acc title game again this year i think miami will be a little bit better this year so the challenge in the own division might be uh, a little more difficult but uh, I, I think there's a lot of confidence around pit football right now is it a positive or a negative for pit football to get rid of divisions and to go to full just uh nine nine game conference schedule I think it's, I don't, I don't see a big difference. I mean, they'll, mm. they'll still see Clemson a little bit more often, but really outside of Clemson, I don't think the Atlantic's a better division top to bottom than what the coastal is. Yeah. So I, I think it creates a little more diversity uh, in your schedule. Uh, you know, the way Pitt recruits, they like to recruit in Florida and Georgia. So that, that, you know, that gives them opportunities to head to those States maybe a little more often. So 
I, I don't really see a big difference for, you know, I, I think there's probably some teams in the Atlantic that are begging not to play Clemson every year, but I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think the rest of the conference is all too concerned about it. I'm just happy that the backyard <laughs> brawl is back. Is that something that Pitt fans have wanted? And that's something that they have voiced to the administration of like, why <laughs> just there are certain rivalries where it's like, why aren't we doing this? I mean, here in Tennessee, like, I see so much Virginia Tech stuff and Bristol was such a big success that it's like, why not? Why don't we do a home and home? Like Tennessee fans would love to go to Blacksburg and Blacksburg fans would love to come here. And it's like, that's an obvious one. Just just do that every year or play Memphis more often, whatever it is. Just do the rivalry stuff, uh, the home and home like that is the that's the big winner. And the backyard brawl is one of the best and one of the oldest. And it was this thing that we all grew up watching and loving. And now it's back. And it's weird because we got two USC, former USC quarterbacks, potentially under center in this one. Um, But how big is it to have that back? And do you see it being ever getting to a point where it's back on the calendar every year? I think they're getting closer to that uh, point of maybe playing almost every year. Um, They added some more games to the series. uh, I think, you know, down, Mm -hmm. you know, how college schedules work. It's maybe, but they're playing again, but it's unique because Pitt's two biggest rivals weren't on the schedule the past couple of years because they mm. don't play. They don't play Penn State either. And I, you know, I. Think Why is that? that... <laughs> uh, there's a lot that goes into that, but uh, I think a part of it, uh, you know, that that rivalry kind of died around 2000. Uh, Joe Paterno kind of had some hand in, in that, and they didn't want to play Pitt every year, and but it came back for about four years. Or yeah. Two, and the games were good. Uh, well attended uh you know the whole state was really into it so it's it's just like one of those weird things that there's not really a right answer why they don't play but um you know that's another one i don't know if that one will get back on the schedule regularly maybe here and there but i think west virginia uh, is interested in playing pitt and i think pitt's interested in playing west virginia especially with west virginia being in the big 12 they don't really Mm -hmm. have rivalries and uh so, you know, this year it's the Thursday night ESPN college kickoff of the year, uh, first game of the year kind of thing. So it, there's a lot of hype around the game. Um, I, I think a lot of people are excited to see it back. So I, I think it'll be seen more regularly, uh, and there's a chance that that'll be played more than Pitt and Penn State. Interesting. I, I didn't even realize the Penn State thing. Is that what, – what's the biggest rivalry? Is, do Pitt fans see – West Virginia as their biggest rival or is it an ACC team just because they've been there for so long who is the number one hated like you're on the message boards you're over at Panther Lair you're looking at it who do they hate the most Penn State okay not even a question interesting and it's Penn State's fault that this is not happening every year if you talk to a Pitt fan that's exactly what they would say what would a Penn State fan say what do you think their AD would say right now like what if I asked him I was like hey why why aren't you scheduling Pitt what are we doing their public stance would be is we play nine conference games and we will yeah. have more diversity to the schedule. What do you think the actual true serum answer to that is? I think there was a time and place where Pitt and Penn State, Penn State wanted to do a, a two for one on the hmm. schedule and Pitt would not sign up for it. So like a two for one is in like they get two home games and Pitt only gets one or interesting. I think that's where it all kind of got rooted back in the 2000, early 2000s. See, this is why we need, like, my <laughs> my thing is on all of this stuff with realignment, with everything else, with scheduling, it's like we need to have, like, season ticket holders in the room with all of these decision makers. Like, just have, like, three. Just have three lifelong fans, season ticket holders, tailgaters, whoever. So when they're coming with an idea, 
you turn to them and you go, does this sound weird? Is this what an actual football fan who pours a lot of money in this university? Is that what y'all want? No. Okay. We'll start over. Or like, what, what do y'all think about this? Because ultimately you want those people happy in college football attendance is in a decline. It declines every year. And part of that is prices, obviously, and TV and things like that. But the other part is just these games. Like, if you look at Georgia's home schedule this fall, it sucks. Georgia's home schedule is a joke. Their biggest game, non-conference game, is at a neutral site in Atlanta against Oregon to kick things off. And that's it. Like, you go through, and I just, I don't know. Like, that's an easy one. Like, everyone in the state wants to see it. Pitt, Penn State, that'd be a great thing. You'd make a bunch of money. Just do that thing. Like, what are, just get to a Penn State fan and a Pitt fan in the room and be like, should we do this? Should we bring this back? They're going to be like, yeah, why would you even ask that question? Why is this even not happening? Like, how dare you for not even putting this back on the calendar? Anyway, I just don't understand stuff like that. Just make it happen. Yeah, it could, it could happen. And, you know, there, there's no reason the two biggest schools in the state shouldn't play every year in every sport. So it's kind of just one of those things. And, you know, I think conference realignment plays a part in it with one yeah. being in the ACC, one being in the Big Ten. But they're two hours apart. I mean, you know, it's... You know, I, I kind of live, I don't live in Pittsburgh. I kind of live in between the two places. And, you know, you know, some people are Penn State fans. Some people are Fit fans. I mean, that's just how it is. And, you know, yeah. everyone's fine with it. You know, they should probably just play. I would agree. I would agree. Um, what is the biggest position of strength for Pitt, uh, for Pitt coming into this year? Uh, probably the defensive line. Um, Pitt, hmm. I, Pitt leads the country in sacks over the past three seasons collectively. Uh, hmm. that's, that's kind of been a strength, uh, defensive line coach, Charlie Partridge is, you know, one of the best and best in the, the whole country. Uh, so they have Kalijah Cansey back. He was a third team all American last year, Haba Baldonado, a first team, all ACC kind of guy. So they, they have, you know, six or seven defensive linemen. They feel pretty comfortable playing. And that's, that's definitely a team strength up, you know, the way Pitt plays defense is, uh, they'll give up big plays in the passing game. Uh, you're, you can beat them deep. But if the pass rush gets to you, that's that's when it's working. And, you know, they like I said, they they have let the country in sacks the past three years. Hmm. Um, what is the most important stretch of games this year for Pitt? Mm, that's a good I mean, you could argue the first two. Um, yeah, that could really dictate the whole season because you open with West Virginia and Tennessee at home. And, you know, like I said, I think Pitt might be preseason ranked. It probably will be. So, you know, you start out two and oh you climb really fast, really quickly with those kind of wins. And, but if you lose one of those games or both of those games and, you know, the win kind of comes out of the sale of the season. So I think honestly, the the first two games of the year are huge, but you know, at the end of the season, the way that everyone's talking, how the post was going to work. I mean, the last game of the year is against Miami down in Miami. And that, that could be a really, really, really big game. Hmm. When you look at the pit, Tennessee game last year and you think about how good this year obviously Jim Milton uh barring injury will not be under center this time it will be Hendon Hooker um what is the biggest thing you're looking for because it's you're gonna see two high-powered offenses back to back um because West Virginia they hire Graham Harrell so they're doing the the running gun they're gonna be pass 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 and Tennessee is gonna be pass 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 tempo 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 do you think this defense uh is ready for JT and Hendon back to back. Are you kind of nervous? But like you said, defensive line just being a position of strength here. Did you see something with the tempo last year that kind of makes you uh, question how this will go in part two with Tennessee? Or do you think this is uh, a, a good feel, a good situation to be in, especially being at home this time? 
Yeah, I think the biggest concern with this game is can they score enough to, you know, outlast Tennessee? Like last year, you had Kenny Pickett. Yep. I, I, they put up 40 points. I mean, that's that was a nice thing to have. So at this point, you don't really know what the offense is going to look like. Uh, I mean, you have a good idea. You think it can be pretty good. Keaton Slovis, if, it, if he adjusts right away, then maybe the offense clicks. So I, I think, like I said, the defense is what it is. I, 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 it's kind of weird. Pitt's defense, like Narduzzi's defensive guy. They give up points. They give up big plays, but like they come up with splash plays. That's kind of how they they kind of live. Like they live dangerously, I guess is how you would call it. But mm. so it's Tennessee's going to score points on them. So I, I think really it comes down to can Pitt outscore them. Interesting. Um, as of right now, it is June fourteenth, twenty twenty two. Jim, what uh, what do you think will be the final record this season for? Pittsburgh right now what are you feeling I they went 10 and 2 last year and I, I think that's pretty attainable again this year mm-hmm. I, I think they can go 10 and 2 I don't know if that wins them the coastal it, it just it might but I I, I think 10, 10 and 2 is probably a, a fair bet right now when was the last time Pitt went back to back to uh double digit one seasons has Pat done that he hasn't right no it's probably 80 81 oh wow is this a Tony Dorsett year damn or that's like Dan Marino with Sherry. Okay. I have a Tony Dorsett framed photo signed by Tony Dorsett when Pitt played Georgia Tech. My dad got that when he was like a Georgia Tech uh, ticket guy, something when he was in high school. I forgot what he, it was some kind of volunteer thing when he was in high school, I think. And he got uh, Tony, Dorsett, Tony Dorsett's jersey uh, and just got it framed and all that kind of stuff. I think it's signed, but yeah, pretty cool thing. Um, so there you go. Jim, how do the good folks keep up? with your work and the good team over there at Panther Lair this week. Yeah, they can uh, uh, follow me on Twitter at Jim Hammett. That's with two M's and two T's. And our website is panther-layer.com, pittsburgh.rivals.com. Uh, most comprehensive sports of uh, Pitt sports news recruiting on the internet. There you go. There you go. Please the dog has had enough. Um, and I will. Uh, amazing. I've done like a thousand episodes and this dog has never barked on an episode. So <laughs> Jim, thank you so much for the time. I greatly appreciate it. And we'll have to check back in again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Chase. All right, y'all. That'll do it for our two here on Wednesday, June 15th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Mons Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed our conversation today on all things Pitt Panthers here on our two. Uh, if you did and you've not already done so and you're an Apple Podcast or Spotify listener, make sure that uh, before you leave this episode that you leave this show a five-star rating and a review. Uh, it helps other people find the show and it helps this show continue to grow. So I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, make sure you're subscribed on your preferred podcast player so that you never miss a future episode. Email the program at chasingmostpodcast at gmail.com. Check out all of our other great shows all across the Blue Wire Pod network. BlueWirePods.com is the hub for all of our all of our shows, uh, Wide Receiver One, Chris Carter, Insight, Chris Van Fleet. There's just all kinds of great shows all across our network. So check all those out today if you have not already done so as well. Uh, big things coming here at Blue Wire. So look out for all that. More episodes coming tomorrow. Uh, I hope you guys have a great rest of your Wednesday, if that is the day indeed in which you are listening to this, whichever day it is this week. I hope it's a good one. And uh, thank you for making the Chase Most Podcast part of your your uh, listening uh, time. So yeah, there you go. Thanks so much. And uh, I will talk to you all tomorrow. Nicely done, nephew.
Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.